Warning, the podcast you're about to hear has a unique conservative perspective and may be politically incorrect, containing some controversy in its message. This episode may speak out against liberalism, socialism, the dark state, and religious organizations. It is possible that evil in politics, education, law, society, and religion will be discussed and exposed. However, we believe this podcast adds truth and value to a mature, disenfranchised audience who may be tired of apostate religions and wicked world systems. Listeners who are easily offended, overly sensitive, or have progressive leanings sympathetic to the topics we expose should be forewarned not to listen any further. We thank both those who choose to listen as well as those who choose not to listen. You've been warned. And now, let us get on with the show. Knock, knock. Who's there? Freedom Friday hour. <laughs> that was lame. It was, a, it was a good joke, man. <laughs> no, it wasn't because I was supposed to say, you know, Freedom Friday who or what. And then you were supposed to say your punchline. Oh, that's uh-uh. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, okay. What's the date? Today's date is January 12th, 2018. Yes. 12 days into the new year. Yep. Pretty soon it's going to be 2019. We're all going to be living like the Thunderdome. It'll be January 12th, 2019. Yeah. And we'll play this back and go, ooh, isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? (laughs) I said Thunderdome and here we are. Yeah. Yeah, Thunderdome. It's crazy, man. So let's talk about, we're going to talk about. It's just exciting because right here in our own backyard in Las Vegas, they're having this giant technological trade show. It's like huge. It's like one of the biggest ones in the world. Mm. It's called CES. I don't know what it stands for, but it's a giant technological trade show. Everybody who's anybody's there, Samsung, LG, Facebook, Google, and it's right here. And so we're going to talk about that and what happened because something's weird. Also, these scientists, they continue with the Gnostic lie of Genesis. Mm-hmm. Where surely you won't die. Good God said you were going to die. You know, all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, 100% of the humans, 100% throughout history have died. Except the ones that are still living. We haven't died yet. So. 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 It's, it's a lie. Surely it won't die is a lie. But you cannot convince uh, certain humans of this. These scientists. So we're going to talk about what they're trying to do to stay Yeah, because it's that alive. same stupid spirit. That same prideful, arrogant spirit that thinks they can outwit God. Yep, they think they know better and they're going to discover immortality and his laws no longer Mm -hmm. apply. Bad news for this, folks. Then there's a new generation of Satanists in Los Angeles. Come on. Mm -hmm. Really? Mm -hmm. And uh, the article is really kind of more of an anti-Trump article. Like a lot of, there's a lot of clickbait articles you read and then, all they do is talk about Trump. 
Well, but, have you noticed that you can even read a, a, an article about cooking and somehow in that article yeah. there'd be something against Trump? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll say, you know, throw some ginger and some cheese and it'll make it taste real good. Unlike the White House right now, that tastes real bad. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll say something Don't like that. Don't use orange cheese. <laughs> yeah, don't use orange cheese. Because <laughs> you know what that looks like. It's always like that. So it, it's it's funny because it's so blatant. You're like, really? Mm-hmm. But sometimes in these articles there's actually information that i could use to then make fun of so that's one one of these things so we'll talk about that and then uh roseanne roseanne Barr. Roseanne, Roseanne, Roseanne. yeah her she's doing a remake or the hollywood producers are doing a remake of the roseanne show because um, it was so good the first time it's going to be good the second time and uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. She actually plays a Trump supporter on this show. She's a, She plays a conservative, her and her husband. Uh, what's his name? Goodman? Ron Goodman? Mm-hmm. She, actually play, uh-huh. she actually plays a conservative uh, because, like she says, that's what family's about, you know, this, this fighting. So it's kind of interesting. But there's more to it because we're going to talk about the kid who plays her grandson on there in this uh, this agenda. All right, so that's where we're going today. If you so care to stick around on this journey. If not, I will never know anyway. Uh, okay? Okay. So, Miss Capel, I think you have a scripture for today. I do. I do. I do. Owl. <laughs> Is that it? The owl scripture? <laughs> it's the, one of the second shortest scripture <laughs> in the Bible. Okay, the first one is Psalm thirty four sixteen that says, "The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut them, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth." Remember that when we read these stories. Mm. But Isaiah five, I thought was a really good um, chapter to read, and the verses are real short. So here we go. Now will I sing to my beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a winepress therein, and he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah has pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression, for righteousness, but behold, a cry. Woe unto them that join house to house, and lay field to field, till there be no place, and that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. In mine ears, said the Lord of hosts, of a truth many houses shall be desolate, even great and fair, without inhabitant." Yea, ten acres of vineyard shall yield one bath, and the seed of a homer shall yield an apath. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, 
that continue on till night, till wine inflame them, and the harp and the viol and the trebit and the pipe and the wine are in their feasts, but they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. Therefore my people are gone into captivity, because they have no knowledge, and their honorable men are famished, and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself, and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory, and their multitude, and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. And the mean man shall be brought down, and the mighty man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. Then shall the lambs feed after their manner, and the waste places of the fat ones shall strangers eat. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin, as it were, with a cart rope. They that say, Let him make speed and hasten his work, that we may see it, and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come, that we may know it. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, but put darkness for light and light for darkness, but put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Therefore, as the fire devours the stubble and the flame consumes the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness, and their blossom shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people, and he hath stretched forth his hand against them, and hath smitten them. And the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. And he will lift up an ensign to the nations from far, and will hiss unto them from the end of the earth, and behold, they shall come with speedy speed swiftly. None shall be weary nor stumble among them. None shall slumber nor sleep, neither shall the girdle of their loins be loosed, nor the latchet of their shoes be broken. Whose arrows are sharp, and all their bows bent, their horses' hoofs shall be counted like flint, and their wheels like a whirlwind. The roaring shall be like a lion, they shall roar like the lion, young lions. Yea, they shall roar and lay hold of the prey, and shall carry it away safe, and none shall deliver it. And in that day they shall roar against them like the roaring of the sea. And if one look into the land, behold darkness and sorrow, and the light is darkened in the heavens thereof. Wow. Does anybody else find these ancient scriptures just fascinating? I do. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, right there, you're reading these ancient, ancient texts. These ancient texts. And it describes the building of cities to the T. Mm -hmm. And it's a woe upon those who do it. They just lay houses upon houses, houses upon houses. And then it describes all this stuff like what, what you see all around you. But what's amazing is the prophetic word of what's going to happen with all of this. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, I I don't, it's, it just, it boggles my mind how we can ignore this, how we can be so distracted with so many other things and ignore these ancient 
scriptures that are telling you this is what's going down. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Verse 13 is what scares me where it says, therefore, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge and their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. And therefore, hell has enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. Man, you know, the prophetic word, it's it's not linear. It's it's like cyclic. And I know all the beard scratchers and all the theologians and all the very smart guys who are scholars, you know, would say, well, yes, Isaiah is prophesying, you know, probably AD 721, the Assyrians, you know, if, if not that, surely the Babylonian captivity, right? Oh, oh, and then it happened again in AD 70. Okay, so that's three right there. So to say that it's just linear or only happened once is foolhardy. It, these are universal truths. It's going down. Um, I just, it just amazes me how, how we don't look at this as, um, you know, any kind of truth or for any kind of help or guidance. It has no weight or value. Yeah. That's Basically. the word. Thank you. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it oh, that was for, you know, Israel. Sure. Yeah. It doesn't have value. Old Testament. Yeah. And even in a podcast like this, where we're talking about modern day culture and news and stuff, all that scripture that comes before it, probably to a lot of people, it doesn't have that kind of value. Mm-hmm. You know, let's get on with the reptilian stuff. So, so be it. That's what we shall do. This is interesting. <laughs> Huh? Yeah. Get on with it. I mean, come on. Let's get on with the show. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done fighting. Technology. Very, very. Oh, I found out what um, CES stands for. Oh. It uh, stands for Consumer Electronics Show. Thank you. How simple is that? CES. Consumer Electronics Show. Yeah, all the big wigs are there. Everybody's there. It's huge here. Huge here in Vegas. Huge. Yep. Go humans. Go humans. And uh, even today, I, I read a, an article that Facebook wants to put a camera and microphone in your home. True story. Zuckerberger has come up with something that is competing with the um, Siri or Alexa, you know, Mm. all those personal assistant stupid devices that you go, play me a song about the blues. And then it finds you a blues song. What's the weather like today? You know, (laughs) (laughs) because you can't look out the window. I mean, uh, anyway, so Facebook wants to uh well factor they're, they're unveiling this it should come out mid year this year but it's a 15 inch screen and a microphone and it's for um what they say is for you to connect to your friends and family through video conferencing and Uh-oh. and and get closer so yeah and i'm thinking how many how many retards are going to allow facebook oh and they're selling the thing for like 500 bucks by the way 
Oh, of course. So you're, you're actually, be... yeah, you're actually playing to be, paying to be spied on. I mean, this is this yeah, you're is, giving them money to spy on you. Yes, <laughs> which is even better than 1984. I mean, you know what I mean? It's this is even better than sci- science fiction could have even thought of. You know, where it's forced on you, people willingly give up their information, mm. willingly do this. It's amazing. And it, it, it's just going to be incredible how many people get this in their homes and allow. Oh, it's a widescreen camera, by the way. White, it, a wide angle camera. I'm sorry, wide angle. And so it's, it's going to view your home and you and your, there's a microphone and oh boy. Wow. Isn't this something? So these reptilians really, really like this control. And they really want to know what uh, what's what are going on. What you guys on. doing? Yeah, they really want to know. So anyway, this is the kind of technology that's going on, and and we've talked about this before, but technology's really become its own religion, and a lot of it's worshipped in a great way, like idolatry. A lot of people are worshiping their technology, and they think this is going to save humanity or save the earth or whatever. And quite amazing. Quite amazing. Uh, in fact, there was an article that I had posted earlier on Facebook about just about that, about technology being a, the new religion. But when I went to go look at it today, it was it disappeared. It's no, yeah, it's about some on. other stuff. Yeah, quite quite amazing. Aww. But anyway, it's on Facebook. The link, but when you hit the link, the story is no longer there. He's gone. Yeah. So this is from the Geek Wire, lights out at the Consumer Electronic Show. And the reason why I'm reading this is because it's like an omen. It's like one of those signs mm-hmm. in the skies and in the earth. It's like an omen. Giant trade show plunges into darkness and it knocks out Samsung, LG, and all these other booths. And here's what's amazing. All the technology in the world can't keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. What's up with that? You know, what good is it to have your iPhone 10 and your little tablets and Alexis and the new Facebook personal assistant if you don't have electricity? <laughs> Oops. This The grid that we've created, the electrical grid that we've created worldwide, globally, Everything hangs on that. When that goes down, everything else goes down. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that simple. So all your computers, everything, they're worthless. I mean, until when the battery goes out, that's it. So uh, I, I just find it very ironic. So there was a power outage. This was Tuesday. Tuesday mm-hmm. out here, it rained really hard mm-hmm. up until Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So the CES is at the Las Vegas Convention Center. And the power outage happened there in Vegas. And uh, it's since been fully restored. And so the show went on. So everybody got in and everything like that. So, But I but did it, think it was funny because when you had told me about it, it reminded me of the um, the story of the Tower of Babel. And also the the um, the story in the Bible about um, the uh, Egyptians going after the Israelites, and that God decided to fight for the Israelites, and He did something to the wheels, the chariot wheels, of yeah. the Egyptians, where they you know they couldn't take control of their chariots anymore, and they said, "Oh, we better go because their God is fighting for them," 
And, uh, yeah. So they ended up, um, having problems with their, their horses and their chariots with and, their technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quite amazing. Apparently this happened around 11 AM mm-hmm. in the morning. Isn't that something? <laughs> Just God has a sense of humor. Yeah. At 11 AM, <laughs> the number 11, 11, it probably was at 11, 11, but around 11 AM, this is when it all went out. And the story says the outage is a, was a bit ironic giving that the CES show, the status is one of the world's biggest technology conferences. Mm. <laughs> and apparently wasn't the first mishap on Tuesday, which was the opening day of the show. It rained really bad out here. And so it spoiled the unveiling of Google's massive outdoor booth. You can imagine oh. the disappointment and the, the anger and the, uh. and here it is again, just like you had mentioned about Egypt and mm-hmm. uh, it going dark there and their technology failing with the, with the, the chariot wheels and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, here's Google and they've set themselves up. I mean, the engineers there have set up technology to be a God and a new religion. Mm-hmm. And so they set up this massive booth outside and man, we're going to wow the people and we are gods and everything. And guess what? Mm-hmm. Well, The creator God says it's going to rain. And all the technology in the world, all the Google, couldn't stop the rain. That's right. It sounds like a good song. Who's going to stop? Who who, who stopped the rain? (laughs) So anyway, I I just find that very, very ironic. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And so all these people were in the comp, you know, in the convention center. A lot of them had their phones in charging stations. I guess that's a thing. I can't relate to that because I'm one of those old farts. That, <laughs> yeah, I'm an old fart. Every night, <laughs> yeah, every night, it's weird. But I plug my phone into the charger and I let it charge every night. So in the morning, I, I look at it and it's full. <laughs> it's weird. And then, because I'm an old fart, I don't watch videos all day and do all that stuff either on my phone. So usually by the end of the day, I got still quite a bit of battery in it because I just kind of carried it around as a pocket computer, you know, mm-hmm. when you need it. But, you know, because I'm old. But apparently there's a thing as a charging station. So you're running around all day using your phone and your phone battery goes low. And so you need to charge it. Um. And so these people had their phones in charging stations. And when the power outage went out, they were, they had to, you know, get booted out and then they didn't have their phones. How could life go on? I know it. I don't know. know. So, um, Nevada power, uh, they're the ones who, who got it back, you know, and restored power after a couple of hours. And, um, but man, what they said is these electronic giants like Samsung LG, and you could tell people the the, the the little thing about your LG washer um, oh, I when I get done here. You, yeah, and why you hate it. But anyway, Panasonic, all these people suddenly lost power to the booths. And this was about uh, 11 a.m., a little after 11 a.m. And the uh, the whole exhibit center was just enclosed and when the power dropped it drew audible gasp people were like oh and a lot of people thought man it's a surprise announcement but then they realized uh oh 
we can't see. So, <laughs> so those people that did have their phones took their little lights out and found their way out. And anyway, so I, I only read it because I think it's very ironic, you know, that that would happen mm-hmm. and that the rain would, it would rain on Google and they couldn't stop it. And when the grid goes down, the grid goes down. Yeah. Just goes down. Anyway, not too long ago, we bought a new washer and dryer and we got, um, an LG brand, mm-hmm. the LG brand, and we get, you know, the whiz bang, you know, dryer that does all this stuff. In fact, this one is so, it's one of those smart ones that if you have a Android phone or whatever, you could do something with it, with the app. I don't know why you would connect your phone to your washer, but you, I it's, know. it's capable of doing that. But trust me, we don't. Cause we're, cause we're old. We just want to push the button and wash clothes. That's I, I really don't. Yeah. I don't need an app to tell me, you know, how sudsy yeah. things are. Mm-hmm. So anyway, what is it, Miss Capel, that drives you nuts about this thing? Well, after it's done, it has this chime and it's the same chime. It's short, but it tells you, you know, it tells you that you're, you're, the cycle's done. It's, you know, you can take the clothes out and put it in the dryer. And the dryer also has a, a chime, but it's the same chime. And I always tell um, um, Brother Kapow that, ooh, wouldn't that be something if this chime was like in everything? And that one day we'll be, be um, listening to, to a song or something and we'll have that familiar chime to it. It's like, oh, we know that. It's almost like the Pied Piper thing. You yeah. know, it's in everybody's home. So everybody's going to be programmed with this chime but it just annoys me it's like um one day the antichrist is going to come on scene whistling that, that chime tune. yeah i can't even do the tune but it's da, mm-hmm. da, 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 something like that mm-hmm. and every time it comes on she goes i can't stand it it's a really pleasant little melody but she can't stand it Mm-mm. but there's probably something sinister sinister about it you know? <laughs> yeah because why would i be irritated with it i don't it just, know it just like when we used to watch that one show and they had all that uh, fireworks at the beginning, you know, all that popping with color and stuff. Oh, and um, I, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't watch it. Mm-hmm. It just really bothered me. Yeah. So I think there was some subliminal stuff that was being spewed out oh, of there. D- definitely there was on that. Uh, yeah. So who who knows? Who knows what that little melody is or that little chime? But you're right. It's it's strange. Something though. Why would it I, irritate you? Yeah, yeah. It's very. It's a very pleasant. You know, sound. It's not like it's grating. It's mm-hmm. not like a buzzer or anything. But but it yeah. annoys me. Yeah, exactly. So, but when we're at the store, you know, picking this thing out, we didn't get to hear the chime. Mm-mm. We didn't hear it until we bought it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, speaking of scientists yeah. and people who make things, this is from the New York Compost. Scientists could one day make humans immoral. That's the headline. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's amazing. Uh, in 1967, a man named James Bedford. Bedford. Well, yes. He was a psychology professor at Glendale College in Cucufornia. And he died of cancer. He's dead, Miss Capow. Yep. But you know what? He's the guy who took the first step towards coming back to life. Mm. On the day he died, the professor became the first person ever frozen in cryonic suspension. That's right. 
Mr. James Bedford is now embedded in liquid nitrogen at minus 321 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm, 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 <laughs> He's mm. a little bit chilly. This is this is amazing to me because if his body's frozen and his head's frozen, um, what <laughs> what makes you think you're gonna be resurrected? Alive? Well, you know what it is. They think that um, if they can freeze them, then with t- new technology and new knowledge about um, you know wellness, that they can come up with a cure for whatever disease he died of. And then revive him and cure him, and he'll be good as new. <laughs> That's their theory. Yeah. Okay. Well, right. You know, on the surface, I go, okay, that makes sense. The, pro- <laughs> the problem is. But you see the arrogance of this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, is, um, well, num- number one, how is that going on our disease mm-hmm. curing front? Yeah. Not too well. Mm-mm. Right. I mean, I mean, how many like I just read these articles about this big tech technological show. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many companies are there going step into our, I don't know, wart removing machine. And now we're going to get rid of warts because we have that or step into our, you know, diabetes machine and you won't have diabetes anymore. Uh, we're not doing too good on that front Mm-mm. because there's a lot of money to be made in big pharma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So anyway, and that's the first issue. The second issue is, even if you could come up with the cancer uh, cure with this guy, he's been frozen at 321 degrees minus. Mm -hmm. Where where the heck is his spirit? Where's the the animating Mm -hmm. life? I'm not even talking Christianity about spirit and soul. I'm just talking about... That spark of life that animates mm-hmm. a living creature. Ms. Capel, where the hell is that right now? Yeah, exactly. The hell, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> Bedford was neither the first nor the last to attempt this. He's trying to beat death at his own game. This guy named Michael Shermer wrote a book called Heavens on Earth. Heavens on Earth. The Scientific Search for the Afterlife, Immortality, in Utopia. And he talks about scientific advancements, Ms. Kapow, exploding at an exponential pace. And so they're trying to put the grim, the grim Reaper out of business. See, all they're doing is building their Tower of Babel. Yeah. And it only takes God just to do a little flick, and it's going to come. It rains. Down. It rains, and Google can't unveil their big, beautiful outdoor google display the lights go out and everybody panics um and you know those that have half a brain would realize you know what all this technology is just if i can't plug it in the wall it's not gonna work Mm -hmm. oh man well (laughs) (laughs) here are three ways three ways scientists are striving for immortality and they're getting close they're getting close. It's they're getting so close. It would even amaze Bedford if he ever wakes up. <laughs> yeah, and and who's the other one? Is uh, Walt Disney? Walt Disney's cryogenically uh, frozen, and um, I forget his first name. His last name is Williams. There's he's he, he used to be the owner of 
I think the San Diego Chargers. Oh, okay. I don't something like that. that. There's a freeway named after him in San Diego, Cucufornia. Remember? Oh, the Ted Ted Williams Parkway. You know, when you go on the 15 to go south towards San Diego. Okay. It's the Ted Williams Parkway. That's Ted Williams. He's his head is cryogenically frozen. Also. Nice. Yeah. One day he's gonna wake up and he's gonna go. Wow, they named a freeway after me. But they're tear it down because they're going to have flying cars by that yeah. time. Yeah, oh, we're going to have we're going to have self-driving robot cars. Cryonics. That's the first way they're trying to beat the gnostic lie told to humans way back when in the garden by the serpent which said did God say you're going to die? Nah. Yeah. He didn't say that. Did he say, really? That's what he said? That's <laughs> seriously. Is that what he said? If you eat, if you partake of what I'm going to partake of you with, uh-huh, you're going to die? You don't even know what dying is. Give me a break. Come on. So that has never changed. It's the same lie. It's a Gnostic lie. It's been going on forever. It's not true, obviously. Tell me if you know somebody who's died that's not dead. Hmm? Mm. Huh? Huh? You can't. Cryonics is a process of suspending a just deceased person in a frozen state until the remedy of what killed him has been discovered, just like you said, Ms. Capone. And science will only consider a person properly preserved if they can be revived with all of their memories intact. I don't know how you can do How do you prove this? Uh, many question this. Hmm. The cryonic process vitrifies the brain. It turns it into a glass-like substance. And when you thaw it, everything's fine. <laughs> I, you know, if you did that to a, a pot pie, no, sir, if you did that to a pot pie, let's take a chicken pot pie and you uh, turn it into a glass-like substance and then you defrost it. I wonder if you could still eat it. I don't think so. I wouldn't want to eat it. But these guys say you're going to, you'll be fine. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of people say this is crazy. Um, They think it'd be utterly amazing if this uh, change to the brain's chemistry didn't destroy the synapses that hold memories. And that's the guy who wrote this book. He's questioning this. He goes, one major champion of freezing is Ralph Merkel. Uh, I wonder why. He happens to be a board member. Ooh, dogs. At the Elcor Life Extension Foundation cryonics facility here in Arizona. Hmm. And he says, having performed hmm, the first human cryopreservation in 76, Elcor now has 153 deceased idiot patients frozen in its facility. Including Bedford. That's where he's at. So if you want to go see Bedford, he's in Arizona. And almost another 1,000 people have made arrangements to be preserved. Isn't that sad? Mm -hmm. That you love this place so much. This is is all you have. That you don't want to leave it. There's nowhere else to go. You're not a sojourner here. You actually live in the prison. You're part of the prison population. And you love it. I, I think that's some sad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So between Elcor and the Cryonics Institute in Clinton, Michigan, 
There are uh, at least 290 people cryonically frozen in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So he says, here's what Merkel says. Remember, he's on the board of this place. He's 65 years old, so he's, he's getting close to being frozen himself. He said, critics of cryonics are like those people in the early 1900s who believed mankind could never reach the moon. Yeah, and there's some debate on that if it ever happened. That's a horrible analogy because there's many people, my father included, who did not believe that we went to the moon Mm -hmm. because it looked like the Nevada desert to him. And here it is years later. Well, sure enough, there's a lot of people saying that it's phony baloney. Well, you know, you can't, we can't make a garden hose that doesn't kink, you know, but we can send a guy to the moon. Okay, mm. whatever. So uh, here's another, I don't want to beat a dead horse. Here's another way to stay alive forever, Ms. Capel. It's called singularitarians. Yeah. Okay, so the first way is you can get frozen and then they'll wake you up and uh, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you're going to recover information, have all your memories. Uh, you're going to have everything but your bank account. Singularitarians, singularitarians, on the other hand, they believe that life will be extended by merging with technology, mm-hmm. which is fine unless the power grid goes out. Mm-hmm. Singularitari- singularitarians, God, that's hard to say. They predict there will be a theoretical future moment when artificial intelligence will overtake and either merge or replace human intelligence. Yay! And the uh, premier evangelist for this is this uh, futurist, Ray Kurzweil. Kurzweil. And who is he? He's, He's Google. Google's director of engineering. That's right. He's the guy who couldn't undo the booth last Tuesday because God made it rain. Mm-hmm. So he got <laughs> flicked in the head. He got okay. flicked in the head. But he doesn't care because he's going to merge with a machine. And mm-hmm. he created, or Google created... The first text-to-speech synthesizer and the CCD flatbed scanner. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Curzo believes that we're all going to reach a point where the world will change more in 10 years than in a thousand centuries. I have to agree with that. And as the acceleration continues and we reach the singularity, the world will change more in a year than in all pre-singularity history. When that happens, humans will achieve immortality. Aha. Aha. There it is. We're all going to become robots. Oh, so anyway, he talks about all kinds of weird stuff. Kurzweil. He, uh, he has a vision of life by the 2030s. We'll have nanobots, nanobots that could go into a brain, right? Through the capillaries. Non-invasively though. Non-invasively. I don't know how they get in there. And then they connect to your neocortex and basically connect it to a synthetic neocortex. It works the same way in the cloud. Hmm. <laughs> so we'll have an additional neocortex. It'll, you'll love it. <laughs> oh. Nanobots will give us greater brain power. <laughs> oh my gosh. So this guy, he's totally crazy. He's, he bought into that whole serpent thing. Here, here's a guy who would, okay, that's good. I'm good to it. I open my eyes and be smart. Here's this guy. And here's the third way, Ms. Capallo, and then we're done with this. The third way, okay, number one is to freeze your brain. Number two is to become one with the machine. And then three is mind uploading. Mind uploading. 
It's kind of like almost becoming one of the machines. So what you do is you upload your mind, right? It goes further than Kurzweil. See, you won't even need a body or a brain to exist Mm-mm. because your human consciousness will live on a computer. Yep. It'll right? be in a computer. Yeah. It was like that movie uh, with Johnny Depp a few years ago. Oh, yeah, Remember yeah, yeah. I forget the name of it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They all became one with the the grid or something. Yeah. Until so. the electricity went out and he died. <laughs> exactly. Till it rained. <laughs> Just like Noah's day. Everything was fine until it rained. Mm-hmm. Damn rain! The key to uploading the brain is the connectotome. <laughs> you notice with all this stuff too comes new words. Yes, yeah, a new vocabulary. It's so smart sounding. Mm-hmm. You know, a connectotome, I'm probably mispronouncing it. It's probably connectotome <laughs> which is a comprehensive map of the brain's neural connections and pathways. It equals the sum total of one's brain function. Wow. So the scientists are currently trying to figure out how to assemble and preserve the connectotome of a brain. Mm. Now, once that's achieved, Ms. Kapow, theoretically, they'll be able to download a human being's conscious mind. Mm-hmm. Wow. And they'll preserve it. That's right. Uh, this guy, um, here's a guy. I think he works for the Brain Preservation Foundation. Hmm. Yeah. They announced a prize for companies that can figure out how to preserve brains. <laughs> you get a free toaster oven. <laughs> yes. And a, a coffee mug. Of course. And by extension, the connected tomes. And I guess in 2016, so long ago in the, in the, in the past, 21st century medicine in Fontana, California, was awarded the Brain Preservation Prize for small mammals after freezing a dead rabbit's brain at temperatures even colder than vitrification. See, that's sad. And then they thawed it out to show preservation of brain ultrastructure sufficient to establish that the connectotome or totality of all brain cells and synoptic connections can be preserved for at least 100 years. And guess what? Guess what that earned them? Guess what the prize was? 27,000. Yes. Wow. Yay! Now they have another prize. They're going to they're going to offer 108 grand and they'll go to the first company, the first team to successfully preserve a whole large animal brain in a manner that could be adapted for humans. Oh, God. So this is good stuff. This is a good uh <laughs> These are good animals. prizes. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Oh, yeah. So anyway, that's what they're trying to do. And so there are scientists out there. They're working to extend our upper age ceiling. Oh, boy. Through various medical technologies. And um, they're saying that, uh, you know, they're hoping that's going to work. That uh, they're going to be able to uh, beat death, the Grim uh, Reaper, whatever. Now, those are three ways scientists could one day make humans immortal. As you all know, as you all know by now, I am not, and neither is Ms. Kapow a scientist. Not even really? close. No, I thought not, I was. Not, okay, I'm so glad that you told me. We're not close. Not even close. All right. Nor do we get prizes or awards. No, do we belong to any boards of scientific companies that do this. But I have a sure way, not a possible way, a sure way 
that you can extend your life and become immortal. Positive. Mm. Without freezing your brain, without merging into a computer, without uh, becoming singularity, whatever the heck that is. I got a positive way, has no scientific jargon behind it or anything. It's called... It's called being reconciled to your maker. Uh-huh. Amen. It's, it's called circumventing the lie that was told to the humans in the garden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Reconciled with your maker, God. You want immortality? You look into that. It's a sure thing. That's right. And then you'll realize... Uh, like Trump says, this place is a poop hole. <laughs> I want to get out of here. Let's take a commercial break, Miss Bow, and All we'll right. be back for one last story. Oh, we have two more stories, we Jerry. Do? Okay, well, here we go. Hello, Kapow Radio Show listener. You came here to get assistance, knowledge, or perhaps to be part of a unique community that exposes evil. We thank you for your compassionate and strong prayers through the years. Since 2011, we have had over 370,000 listens to over 1,000 episodes of free Bible teaching and spiritual commentary. However, we are experiencing rising production costs within our podcast hosting platforms, free apps, online advertising, website hosting, and aging equipment. We continue to finance the cost in order to bring a unique biblical message to the listener free of charge. You can share in that work while expanding the message to new global audiences. Would you consider a small donation? Share because the world has become much darker and needs to hear truth. It only takes a minute by going to the desktop sites of kapowradioshow.com or fifthhookmedia.com and clicking the donate button. We thank you in advance for any small amount that is placed upon your heart and for joining us in the kingdom against powers of wickedness. All right, Ms. Kamel, we're back. So we are. So we are. What's going on now? What, what do we have now? The next story is a new generation of L.A. Satanists finds community in blasphemous times. Yeah. Blasphemous times, they mean the Trump presidency. Uh, But never mind that. Just look at this new generation of Satanists. And it's so true. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's see. There's this gal. The story is um, this guy and this gal, husband and wife, they're uh, standing near a bleached human skull. Their teeth, its teeth locked in eternal rectus, whatever that means. From the altar, this gal lifts up a sword and she drew points across his chest while a circle of onlookers watched. And an organist played eerie minor key chords. <laughs> so anyway, and then she says, on this altar, we consecrate swords to direct the fire of our unholy will. That's what she said. A human skull, symbol of death. The great mother Lilith created us all and will destroy us all. Mm-hmm. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Yuck. The group chanted back. 
Yuck, yuck, yuck. Well, this couple, the Jameses, they look like they're what? In their mid-20s, early 30s, maybe? Yeah. They're Mm -hmm. young. The Jameses had planned the ritual as a climax of a low-key house party, included dozens of friends associated with ritual magic. Hmm. Artists, writers, rock musicians who freely mingle occult vocabularies, Satanists, coven, witches, none taken too literally. But a bigger moment came a few hours later when the word circulated that Charles Manson had died. Far from mourning a man whose crimes burned satanic imagery into the American mainstream, everyone cracked beers in celebration and jammed on psych rock tunes. Yeah. This gal named Bonnie Bloomgarden, she's the singer for a band called Death Valley Girls. Mm. Yeah. She's really good, too. (laughs) She joked that Manson's spirit would be reincarnated as a small dog and that she'd probably accidentally adopt it. That's just... Okay, whatever. Well, I mean, okay. You don't want to freeze this brain. I'm just saying. This Mm -hmm. is one of those ones you don't want to wake up. Uh, You don't want to be a cookie in your computer. (laughs) No, you don't want to be a cookie in your computer. No, uh uh-uh. Nope. It was a great night for a heterodox generation of new self-described Satanists who are upending old Rosemary's baby and helter-skelter stereotypes in service of radical politics, feminist aesthetics, and community unity in the divisive time of Trump. Trump. So what, what right there... You've got these new Satanists, basically they're a new generation, they're young, stupid people, uh, following Satan, but it's tied into radical politics. Mm-hmm. Radical politics. Yeah. See, and, and they're so ignorant that they don't even know that it's politically incorrect to be called a Satanist. They'd yeah. rather be called a Luciferian. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's much better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Feminist aesthetics, so the B2 crowd, mm-hmm. they're into the feminism. And then um, unity, unity, we're all the same, we're all the same. As long as you agree with us, yeah. <laughs> then there is no unity. Uh, so anyway, it goes on and it, 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 it slams Trump and all this stuff. And it, it's all Trump's fault. And because of this, these weird people are rediscovering Satanism's imagery and rituals in Los Angeles. Yeah. And they love it. It's all Trump's fault. And um, it says the new take of Satanism is much more feminist than nihilist. It's flexibly self-aware. I like that. Flexibly. And better versed in internet culture than orthodox theology. Yay. These are really brilliant, brilliant people. Mm -hmm. So they say in terms of the aesthetics of the occult, it's everywhere you look. There are so many young women, especially who use occult imagery to define their identity. Yeah, you see it everywhere. And uh, a person wrote uh, or directed a film in 2017 called The Love Witch. And uh, it beautifully revamped 70s Technicolor Genra films of our era of why misandry and new social movements. I don't know. 
So whoever's writing this is kooky too, because they keep Yeah, writing. she says, what I'm trying to do is to transform the witch from a figure of male fear and fantasy into a figure of female power and sexuality. For some women, it represents healing, and for others, raw power, and for others, the freedom to be unorthodox or to find their own spirituality outside of the family system. Mm. So feminism, Satanism, any kind of ism. Yeah. Yeah. It's important for women to try to reclaim our images for ourselves. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm going to take you back to the garden mm-hmm. with the serpent approaching the woman and saying, What do you say? You ain't going to die? She ain't going to die. There's only one way to reclaim your image. It's the same way you gain immortality. Mm-hmm. You got to reconcile to your creator, God. That's, That's right. the only way. But anyway, so these people... They, uh, they're all excited. They become Satanists. A lot of people are joining their covens and witch groups. They're all happy. And they're fighting um, the political times. They're fighting Trump. They're uh, Basically, it's nothing more than rebellion. Yeah. And they said that. They go, in these times, a lot of people want, you know, want to not feel helpless. And Lucifer was the original rebel angel. Well, there you have it. Mm-hmm. So they really don't follow Alistair Crawley's uh, filmic, thelemic spiritual thought or any, even Anton LaVey's Atheist Church of Satan. They really don't follow that. They're kind of doing their own thing. They're mixing their own politics and stuff with <laughs> Which it. Which is really his kind of thinking. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Do what they will. That's the whole of all. So, um, so anyway, it goes on and on. And they're, they're, they're kooky. So, yeah. New generation of Satanists coming... Uh, to a town near you. I can't wait. They're beautiful people. Beautiful people. Okay, one last story. Roseanne Barr. Roseanne, Roseanne, Roseanne. Roseanne Barr. The story behind Roseanne's grandson who dresses like a girl. But he's is, not transgender, people. No, he's, he's not, not transgender. He's not He's not a fagalot. Nope. He just likes uh, girl clothing. Yeah. So what's the agenda there? What's... It's that pattern, right? Mm-hmm. It's the constant dripping of the faucet. It's that pattern. It's that little musical note you keep hearing on your new washer. It's that constant pattern telling you it's okay. He's he's not transgender because, oh, we still wouldn't accept that right now. Not, mm-hmm. And he's not gay because, oh, we can't accept a nine-year-old boy being gay. You know, he's not even sexually active yet, right? Mm-hmm. That'd be pedophilia, right? I think. But he just likes dressing like a girl. That's okay. It makes him quirky. He's got a fashion sense, mm-hmm. right? So, anyway, Roseanne's show, it's called Roseanne. Darlene's son, his name is Mark. He's played by a kid named Ames McNamara. Oh. Yeah. Well, the character likes to dress up in girls' clothing, but it would be wrong to assume the nine-year-old character is transitioning or is gay. So, they asked Entertainment Magazine, which is very, very good, asked executive producer Sarah Gilbert. And Sarah Gilbert's gay in real life. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. To explain why she created the role of Mark and what fans can expect of this story arc when the reunion begins in a nine-episode run 
on March on ABC. I'll be there watching it every, every day. <laughs> I don't even have ABC. I don't, I don't think. Now, yeah, what, but you won't Is be it on basic this. cable? I have that's no all idea. I, that's all I got. Um, Entertainment Weekly says, does Mark see himself as a girl? And Sarah says, he does it. That's something that got out in the press. That's not true. He's not a transgender character. He's a little boy. He's based on a few kids in my life. That are boys who dressed in more traditionally feminine clothing. Really? Yeah. How many little boys do we know that do that? I've never met one. Mm-mm. I've never met a little boy. Even who some dresses. of the little kids that walk around here in Mesquite, they're, they they dress like boys. Yeah. The girls dress like, I mean, girls. I mean, I, I don't. But she's making it sounds like she has. Well, she could because she's a Hollywood type, and you mm-hmm. said she's a she's a lesbian. She, yes, yes, she yeah. is. So maybe she's. As she goes on, she says he's too young to be gay, and he doesn't identify as transgender, but he just likes wearing that kind of clothing, and that's where he is at the point of his life. See, but she's lying because the the, the stories that we've read, some of those kids know that they're gay or transgender by age three. Oh yeah. They come out of the womb going, hey. Yeah, this is a wrong body. <laughs> yeah, I'm a chick. Doctor. Yeah. She so, only lie. Oh, yeah, God, and you know what? And then she, she's talking like, well, this is nothing. I just wrote the character like that. It's just yeah. not a big deal. Well, why would you write it like that? I yeah. mean, what, what's your, there's an agenda here, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it's that pattern. It's that constant, put it in your face, put it in your face. Until you get used to it. Now, I know I'm going to sound like an old, old fart, you know, because I am. But I'm going to sound like that. But, you know, you look at 2008 when gay marriage became legalized here in the United States and how far we've come from since then. But if you look at entertainment and television leading up to these points of acceptance and you you had these very benign TV shows, um, and I'm going to mention one like Three's Company. Remember Jack Ritter? Yeah. If you're if you're under eighty, you don't remember this show. <clears throat> so there was a show called Three's Company that all us eighty year olds loved. And Jack Ritter played a gay guy. He wasn't really gay; he was straight. But in order to live with these two girls. Because because they were roommates, they couldn't afford to live separately, mm-hmm. so they all lived together in one apartment. But the apartment manager, uh, who later was Don Knotts, right, played by Don Knotts, mm-hmm. they wouldn't he, he wouldn't allow uh, this kind of conduct in his apartment. So that's how far back I'm going. There was like this this moral dilemma, right? Mm-hmm. So it was better for him to claim he was gay so he could live with. These two, these two girls and the show. So anyway, I know it sounds stupid, but you can, it's a little desensitizing mm-hmm. little by little, you and know, that's how they've always done it. You know, I mean, back in my parents day, the, the to married couple would sleep in two separate beds, you know, the two singles and yeah. they would always have like a little, um, uh, something between the beds. Yeah. A little nightstand or something. Yeah. 
And then it got where they had just one bed, but they were separate, basically. One would sleep on one edge. You know, I mean, they never touched. And then it, you know, it evolved from that. Well, now they have, you know, sex in the bed. Yeah. So it, it goes little by little. Little by little. And the same thing with, you know, the, the TV and the language and everything. Today I was having lunch and I saw CNN in the background and right there on the thing, bigger than everything, it says Trump calls nations and they, they spelled out the whole world. The whole word, I mean, you know, poop hole, but mm-hmm. they spelled out the whole. <laughs> yeah, they spelled out the whole on, on TV, on CNN. Uh-huh. I'm thinking, Wow. When, know, did, when did that happen? When did that happen? That you could actually call it a sheet hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, uh, quite amazing. But anyway, so it's just this, this trickle, trickle down thing. You know, then you had what? Uh, I mean, you know, years later you had that. Uh, what was that? <sighs> Couldn't stand that thing. Uh, he really was gay and his uh, grace, oh, yeah. uh, will and grace, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So over and over again. So anyway, uh I, it sound, I'm an old fart. I know it sounds like that. But this is what this is. This kid's not transgender. He's not gay. But he's just like dressing like a little girl. It's okay. This is a, this is a pedophile dream, folks. Mm-hmm. This is pedophile dream, you know? So they ask, <laughs> how much do you address his desire to wear girls' clothing? And she says, Sarah says, there's an episode that addresses it. He dresses that way throughout the show. But there's one episode that focuses on it more heavily. We did a lot of research because we wanted to make sure to do it properly. This character is not transgender. He keeps saying that. She keeps saying that Mm -hmm. over and over again. And then she was asked, what made you want to create the character? And here's what she says. See if you agree with this. It represents the world. Does it? (laughs) Does it? No. Her world. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, how many people listening to you have kids or grandkids or great-grandkids or great-great-great-grandkids if you're as old as me, you know? And is this, does it represent the world that you know? No. But, but that's the lie we're going to put forth. And she says, this is a show that's always been able to represent the world and talk about it without being so issue heavy. Yeah. We're making it fun and light. Yeah. We can do it through the dynamics of family. And then she says... I know kids like that. And it seems like a great character. Really? One kid in particular that I know is so sweet, funny, charming, and great. Mm. In a way, the character, that's one element of the character that he dresses that way. Mm -hmm. But he's also based on this kid I know in a lot of other ways. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't want to pigeonhole him and say just because he dresses this way, that's the only thing about him. He happens to dress that way, but now check this out. He's an amazing, creative, brilliant kid, mm-hmm. which you will see. And so is the kid, Ames, who plays him. Mm-hmm. So he's dressed like a chick and he's just not a regular kid. He's amazing. He's brilliant. He's, oh, mm-hmm. and it's normal. It represents the world represents the world so you know when they're not busy dressing like a little girl and being a satanist in la you know trying to upload their brain in a cryogenic computer how do you have it (laughs) you have it i'm depressed (sighs) 
Okay, that was the last story. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. <laughs> you can you can handle the rest of the show if you want or say goodnight. Uh, I gotta go. Ciao, babies.